this year I I changed my efforts from running an accounting firm to shilling stuff to accountants full time. That's all I do anymore. And I got a friend with me here who's recently done the same. Okay, maybe not. It's Ashley Francis. Okay, it is a podcast. You're going to have to do more than wave. Oh, I'm so sorry. Hello, everyone. It's lovely to see you. <laughs> We're talking about accountants getting into the business of selling to accountants and like the how weird that is and just uh, the combination of weirdness with what a necessity I feel like it's become. So come on in. Let's get to Sheila. Okay, Ashley, for people who haven't met you before, what is the 30-second rapid-fire Ashley Francis intro? Well, before this year, I was a specialist in ultra-high net worth individuals, trusts, estates. Uh, if you had an airplane or an island, I would work with you. Mm. And then starting this year, my life has taken a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a left turn because it's not like I went anywhere else. It's like I added another lane. Um, where I also created a uh, like a website and a class for other professionals called 30 Days of AI, Tiny Lessons for Busy Professionals. And the whole point of it was to help other professionals learn AI skills in the very small amount of time that we have each day to do it and in a not scary way. We'll put links in the show notes to all this stuff. And it is really interesting and it is needed. Uh but what we're super going to focus on is uh, tr like something that I've struggled with too, where like the notion of, okay, I'm a practitioner. All I've ever been is a practitioner. Um, and maybe you can't quite imagine ever like turning around and selling stuff to practitioners when I think Ashley and I agree, like we actually need more of that. People that have this really deep understanding of the problems that we have. I do agree. And I think it's funny too, because I actually, when I started out, I didn't realize I was selling to practitioners. I just thought that I had a class that they could buy that was like supposed to be helpful for them. So it never occurred to me that I was actually doing like selling B2B, like doing the business to business work yeah. because I don't work with businesses. So it just never occurred to me that that was what I was doing. What do you mean when you say that? Obviously, you're charging for that. Do you mean like you didn't see it really as a business or as an extension of your business? I didn't see it as an extension of my business. I saw it as something that would be really helpful for folks. And I didn't want to make it free because oftentimes when people don't pay for something, they don't value it. Mm. Um, and 30 days is kind of a lot, which I'm super glad I didn't know how much that was. And if anybody's thinking about putting together a class, that would be my first recommendation is maybe don't go for 30 on your first first outing. But I just thought it was something that was helpful, that was needed. And um, I was going to put it out there for a price that people could afford to get into because it was important for a lot of folks to access it. Do you still not think of it as selling? Like, has your thinking evolved on that at all? Or where are you at today? I have a really hard time, and I'm sure other practitioners do too, with the idea of marketing and selling. Because oftentimes it feels like, well, if it's good enough, people should just want to buy it. And yeah. that is something that I struggle with. And I have to be reminded, like, sometimes it takes folks a couple times to 
see it come up, be reminded about it and learn, like recall why they need it. So, you know what, maybe, maybe I need to take a course if anyone wants to put something together about how selling isn't a dirty word. Yeah. I I still don't think about it as selling. I just think about it as having it available and people buying it. So you still run a practice. Is this like a business or is this like a fun thing you did on the side? Like what's your thinking of where this slots into all the other work that you do? I actually stopped taking new clients because I was trying to figure out where, where it sat. Doing these classes does take a bit of time. And I think that there's also value to having a space where students can come and do the classes together. And that way they can learn from each other, but then also we're also busy in our life, right? And we've all signed up for about a thousand webinars that we've never attended. So having that space to just come and sit and do it is also valuable, but it takes time. And so my thinking is now is that now that I'm done with busy season, I'm going to focus on releasing more classes that will help folks. I honestly thought that Microsoft, like the co-pilot would be out for everybody right now. And so my next class is going to be about that, but it's going to be about processes and building processes. I've been um, talking about that a lot because uh, I think as technicians, we are amazing technicians. We sometimes forget that we're also business owners and um, business processes are kind of universal in their framework. So if we can shortcut that, then let's do it. What like, if you can think back to your frame of mind before you, you had done any of this stuff, I think, I think probably 95% of practitioners would never even consider putting a thing out that other people could could buy or consume like i think most people have a hard enough time posting on social media let alone like putting something out that they would stand behind because it's not in the line of work that they do like it's not a tax return it's not a month end close if you can go back to that frame of mind before you did this like what how did you end up there when you're running a practice, you have plenty of things to do. Like what made you make that first step, I guess? You know, I was listening to this guy, uh, Jason Stats. I'm sure you've heard of him. And he had this, uh, I think it was one of your Jason dailies where you were talking about like doing other things to, to like monetize in your firm, monetize your content. And you said, uh, creating communities, um, creating like a newsletter, or creating classes. And so I was like, well, I write quite a bit. Um, I create a bit, quite a bit of content on you know, Twitter or X now around mm-hmm. like trust in estates and AI. And um, maybe since I'm already doing, spending all that time doing that, maybe there's a way that I could package it together because people have asked me, can you just put it all in one place? And so I went and watched a one hour video on how to create a class. And I was like, nope, (laughs) that is too much work. I'll just create a newsletter. And I did that. And then I think a couple of weeks later, I was like, okay, now I'm ready to create a class. And the thing is like for other practitioners who are thinking about this, if you have ever like helped a client think through a challenging situation 
or helped a colleague think through like a challenging business situation, you already have these skills. Like it's, Mm -hmm. they're, they're pretty much like figure out where the person is, uh, figure out the journey that they want to go on and think about the steps along the way. And once you have like those pieces, then the rest of it kind of falls into place. And I guess the other thing I would say is that you're not going to know 100% of anything when you start. You probably won't even, like you could watch all of the videos in the world and you will still be surprised. Gang, this episode is sponsored in part by Liveflow. Uh, Liveflow is the easiest way to sync that. QuickBooks data back and forth to your spreadsheets. You may have seen this actually had a big announcement lately. So this fall, G2 gave them the top spot in their fall 2023 report as the leader in the financial analysis category. That's right, they won. Number one, nice work. Uh, if you've been around my channels for a while, you've seen LifeFlow, kindly they have sponsored quite a bit of stuff. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying I'm taking credit for it, but that was probably why. If not familiar with LiveFlow, super easy way to sync that stuff, sync your QuickBooks data back and forth with Google Sheets. They got a whole pile of templates too to make the process of building that stuff for the first time as easy as possible for you. Stuff for managing cash, AP, KPIs, like everything you can imagine. Sync that data into your existing sheets to make them smarter, get it to auto-sync or build your like custom new sheets that talk with QuickBooks totally from scratch. Uh, pretty cool tool. Check that one out at lifeflow.io. This episode is sponsored in part by the lovely folks at Copilot who know that the way that we present ourselves online is is truly, tr- truly a reflection of our essence as super cool, modern, forward-looking accountants. Uh, and I can tell you, most of the tools that we use and the ways that for example, tax software vendors want us to present ourselves to our clients. It is it is nothing remotely cool, nothing remotely modern. And this is where Copilot comes in. It is everything you need from a client portal all in one place. Soup's modern, super impressive. They got a lot of cool little things like, what if your client doesn't want to message you in the portal? Well, you send them a message in the portal, clients can get an email. They can literally just reply to that email and that message will come back up, show up in the portal just from them sending an email. And they're not going to tell you what that ought to look like. Like the name of the game here with Copilot is customization. The notion that you can actually customize what your clients see. All the little nav options on the left, fully customizable. What shows up on the right? They got some cool built-in stuff, but you can also extend it with external like third-party things like Airtable or Notion, embed the stuff that you want to directly into there. Even on a client-by-client or client-group basis, you can change what people see. Because your needs today, buddy, Listen, they may not be the same as your needs tomorrow. Now, do you want to be locked into a a super rigid system that isn't going to adapt and and nicely fit around the contours of your accounting firm? No, we want we want flexibility, right? Is that too much to ask for? If you're into that kind of thing, check out the link to Copilot in the show notes. I okay. Can I say one more thing? One more, a third thing. You're, you're not gonna stop me. I'm here. Uh, The third thing is, is that the work that you put into creating these classes actually goes back to helping you support your clients because you're getting in that mindset of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and getting them from point A to point B. You're putting together um, content that is easily digestible and understandable. 
and you're packaging it and providing it in a way that folks can find it and absorb it. So the skills that you learn in creating these things actually does help you improve your business. Yeah. And it's, uh, you, you shared that you're already putting a lot of this stuff out and like, maybe this is just a different way of packaging the same stuff, but also to the point you made when people are like, well, what would I even talk about? Like, and making it as simple as posting on social media, like, what would I even talk about? I don't have anything to say. We sit there and answer stupid questions from our clients all day, every day. Like literally just capture all the questions that you get in a week and answer maybe the five most common questions and put it through the lens of, you know, a specific type of person. Like that's your content, right? Like we, I feel like we all already do that stuff. Right. It's almost like we're surprised how much we know because we don't take time to capture everything that we've been doing and information we prefer we've been providing we're essentially i would say as a profession and i don't think we get thought of this way we're kind of financial educators not in like the financial planning sense but um, oftentimes we're the person speaking with the client about a whole bunch of financial things and answering tax questions and answering questions about their accounting and that's a really broad topic that a lot of people are scared of. So yeah. right there, there's plenty of, of places to go if you just wanna stay in that. If you wanna go beyond that to like running a business or making content on social media or anything, like folks know a lot. They just don't know that they know a lot. Why do you think most of your content though is, is like inside baseball accountant facing versus client facing? Well, why is most of my content facing because none of most my people... clients would use AI to do what they do. Mm. So, I mean, like I said, I don't work with businesses, right? So I can see business owners getting a lot of value out of AI tools and AI applications. And I think there is some space for individuals to get support and and use it in their own lives. But... For the most part, I think there's a, a bigger audience to starting it on the business side and integrating it, especially with accounting and tax. I feel like at first we were all like, oh, this won't impact us. I mean, I think you and I were like, oh, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, we're all seeing that it's going to be coming in and infiltrating our practices. Let's get into it. Interesting. Yeah, I th- most people, I think their default would probably like their mind would go to client facing stuff first, but I hadn't thought about that level of nuance, like working with, what was it? People who either own airplanes or islands. Right. Yeah. Airplanes or islands. So they're not worried about AI because they've got, I mean, their manservant is doing all of that stuff for them. Like that's, that's not a them problem. That's correct. So like when I was sharing it um, before I started sharing it broadly, on Twitter, I was sharing it with the financial advisors that I work with because they're the ones who are also in that space trying to wrangle like client data and, and work with clients in a way that works for the client, basically. Obviously, I, I harp a lot on, I think, the value of putting out content to find a more specific type of customer. I'm also a big advocate of accountant-facing stuff 
for you as a practitioner and someone that still learns from you know other accountants and that sort of thing, uh, I, th- I think because you're doing a degree of this, you probably have a different window into like the value of accountant-facing accountants than other people. But what is your thought on on I guess your appetite for like buying things from other accountants and how people should feel about this? Maybe if all they've ever done is run a firm and they can't get their head around like maybe I'm really good at this thing like Zapier and I could help other firm owners. Um, how do, I guess, how do they think through that process of deciding how do I start down this other path that could be totally different than my firm running? I feel like you might've asked me three different questions there. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick the one that I want to answer. So I think if you feel weird about, okay. So the first answer is I think that accountants are the best people to sell things to other accountants. For one thing, we mistrust anything that's not from accountants anyway. So, but the other thing is we also know, we also know our pain points, our specific pain points. So when I go in to say uh, 10,000 GPT prompts to help you run your business, like those aren't specifically addressing my pain points as an accountant. But to your second question, how did they get started? Well, first they have to figure out what they want to talk about, right? So if they're interested in Zapier and they like can make something about that, I would start with like start with three or five things that you want to talk about. Because otherwise you are going to want to bring in the entire world and make it perfect, or at least this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to like explain every single little thing that could ever happen with AI. And people don't want that. What they want is they want to know what you know, they want to understand what you know, and they want to be able to implement it. So it's easy to set up an online class. There are a lot of different online class platforms. Uh, It's easy to set up a blog. There are a lot of different blog platforms. But the first step is think about what you know stuff about. Like people are like, oh my gosh, that's the person. You're the person. Stop mm-hmm. saying, no, I'm not the person. I just know this stuff. Yes. If, if more than one person has said you're the person, then you are now the person. And then think about your audience. What do they want to be like at the end? Like what, if they were starting from zero, what would be a small step forward that would make them feel successful? And how can you get them there? Do you feel like you're the person now? No, this is me giving advice to other people. This is not me <laughs> taking, <laughs> taking my own advice. I guess so. I guess if you get on enough stages where people are like, tell us about yeah. AI, then you start feeling a, feeling like the AI person. Yeah. But it feels so weird to say that you're the AI person when you're also hanging out with people who are like AI, AI people. But you know what? That goes back to another point is that we're always going to compare ourselves to other people. And if we let that stop us putting out things that can help people where we are, then they're not going to, like those folks where we are, aren't going to be able to access what those more advanced folks know. They they can access what you know and where you are on your journey. And then maybe someday they'll get to that advanced stage. Gang, this episode sponsored in part by Team Up 
who helps you recruit top Filipino accountants without any zero ongoing monthly fees. They can source accountants with experience working at US or Australian firms. People who are familiar with stuff like Zero, QBO, Dex, they can find them for you. They can also recruit specialist roles like a team lead, people with leadership experience, even US tax specialists. Wow, we most talented and ambitious accountants in the Philippines want to work with you directly, not through an outsourcing company for two main reasons. One, they don't want to give a big chunk of their salary to a middleman, oftentimes upwards of 50%, and they want to build a long-lasting relationship with their employer. Oh. These are the people Team Up can recruit for you for a flat one-time fee and then connect you with an affordable employer of record as well if you need help with payroll and compliance. Learn more at their site, hireteamup.com and get on their newsletter for quick tips on managing overseas teams. Stuff like cultural miscommunications, best practices, everything you need to know to get started hiring offshore. You already know I'm down with offshore hiring. Learn more at hireteamup.com. This episode is sponsored in part by the fine folks at Cloud Accountant Staffing. Do you hire accountants? Bless your little heart. Uh, not the best part of the job, in my opinion. Not something I ever enjoyed. Well, listen, you can build your accounting dream team, dream team. with talented offshore accountants in the Philippines that work 100% full-time for your firm. Their accountants aren't freelancing or contracting for multiple firms. They're all yours. They work exclusively for you and are incentivized to stay with you and your team long-term. They're not going to get swiped. Cloud Account Staffing is 100% dedicated to the accounting industry and founded by a former accounting firm owner that understands your business, knows your pain points. They had to hire some accountants and they said, you know what? We're going to build our own pipeline in the Philippines. Going to pull in some super talented people and then open that up to other firms. Basically, that's the story. Uh, I've been talking about a lot about staffing, building more resilient staffing pipelines for your firms. I, I had staff in the Philippines, at, like totally red pilled me to like, oh geez, like we need to globalize the way that we get our work done. Uh, check these folks out. Link in the show description, cloudaccountantstaffing.com. I mean, this is kind of like how we think about specializing our client work. There's so much value in specificity of expertise like we we see all the news articles from ai generalists and all that but who's going to put it through the very very specific lens of what we do the like general ai experts certainly won't and i'm not going to like sit back while some engineer just builds things like without really us speaking into it at all i do think sometimes we get too fixated on being the expert as opposed to just sharing what we're learning but i yeah there's the whole like is that me am i the person now it's interesting. I do. There's like that whole notion that I think our internal identities legs behind like your external reality and how other people see you. Like other people see you as this, maybe before you see yourself as this. And so you're like, I don't know. There's like that insecurity of like putting that out there and even putting something out that signals that I think I am that person. Like who am I to teach people AI, you know? Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's so funny because you don't know that you can do it until you do it. Yeah. And if you don't do it, then you won't know if you can do it or not. So you might as well just do it and flail a little bit and see if it gets comfortable. I think a lot of folks would be super surprised that they can do it. They just didn't or haven't been. Yeah. And like, that's like, I I love that so much. The notion that like stuff happens because people decide to take that left turn and make that thing. 
Like that's the only reason that things exist is somebody's doing something else and they're like, I don't really identify as the kind of person that would do this or I don't know how this is going to work, but like I believe in it. So I'm just going to go do it. Uh, and that to me is like the very best part of being a human being, like the notion that you have that, I don't know, agency, especially as an entrepreneur where you're not working for somebody else. But yeah, the whole notion of like, am I the kind of person that would do this? Like that's a big stopper. Yeah. I think it's, I think, cause I was having a conversation with somebody today and they were saying that like they weren't getting on this AI thing because they were not, you know, they weren't, they weren't uh, like the whole old dog, new tricks phrase. And mm -hmm. it was so funny because it's someone who has brought ideas that are like really advanced and really great to our community. And in their own head, they have put themselves in this box of, well, I can't do that because it's, it's something new and, and I haven't tried it. And so oftentimes I suspect that, we get in our own way more than other people would get in our way. I, I think sometimes we can manufacture excuses for like not engaging and not taking the time. It is hard though. Like, especially as a firm runner, you have so many things to do and it's hard enough figuring out in the morning when you roll up to your desk, like, what do I do first? You've got all these emails, you've got these tasks, all these things. And then you somehow insert this other more abstract thing that doesn't have a clear ROI that maybe somebody's not paying you directly for. Like, I think that's I, something that people struggle a lot with. Like, how do you prioritize all of those things? And for you, when you were starting with this, was this a fun, like, was it a fun thing? Was it like, a, I want to see if I can do this kind of thing? Like, how do you, because we're all very ROI based accountants. Like, how did you, I guess, rationalize that for yourself? I think the thing is, is I'm not an ROI based accountant. So it probably helps that I'm a tax accountant rather than an account accountant. Goes back to the fact that I don't work on small businesses. So ROI wasn't, wasn't in my head at all. But I have also discovered through my writing um, about trust and estates and about AI that I've learned the topic much better than if I just read it and sat on it. It's a different way yeah. of engaging with the topic. And so when folks are thinking about ROI, they might be thinking about dollars in the door today, but missing out on the ability to do more things in the future. Yeah, and how like those skills that you learn seemingly just get more powerful as the tech gets better. Right. Uh, can I ask you a personal question? You can. Why are you so into Microsoft stuff? Oh, <laughs> you're so funny. You know what? And the funny thing is, is like you wouldn't even be the first person to ask me this question in this month. So okay. um, I am into Microsoft stuff. Let me tell you about the second job I ever had as a baby CPA. So I had gone and got my master's degree, had my CPA. The firm that I was with that I started out with wasn't going to suddenly start showering me with a whole bunch more money, even though I had a master's degree. And I took that moment to go work for a, um, it was a hedge fund, but it was in their financial services department. So pre preparing tax returns for uh, very wealthy folks. And the one thing that I learned there that I've taken with me throughout my entire career is they didn't even have 
last names for clients. They only use the initials. So we would never refer to a client out loud by their last name Mm -hmm. because everybody like it was like if you weren't assigned to that client, they got strict privacy. And from there that I I've just had that paranoia about client data, client information getting out. And so I have seen it over my entire career where um, like a company will start out with one privacy policy and then over time get bought or not have the things in place to keep data private. And so Microsoft does, and I know that they're not going to get bought out. And I know that whatever they're going to do with their software is maybe isn't going to be the prettiest, but it's, it's going to do a thing. And I know that it's all going to be in one ecosystem. I don't have to worry about tomorrow if someone's bought it out or um, if, you know, they, someone left a hard drive somewhere. You've gotten to do some cool stuff with Microsoft now, right? Like, didn't you speak yeah. at a conference and like yeah. your whole, like big with the Microsofties? It's as cool as it sounds. I don't know. <laughs> it's so funny because like when you're an accountant and you're like, I'm going to go hang out with the software folks because they're going to be so much more fun. But you yeah. you hang out with the software folks who are like going to these big conferences and like working with a tool like Microsoft. They tend to be very much like us. They're like, okay. there's they're not the, the startup sort of whiz bang sort of accountant. So if you've been to an AICPA convention, Microsoft convention, there's mostly men, but, and they're all wearing like jeans, but it's, it's pretty much the same vibe. But I think the thing is, is it's really cool that they would let me speak on their stage because they have like their, there's a big push towards acknowledging that there's folks out there, hopefully, hopefully a ton more accountants that can use these automation tools. Uh, you know, and we're going to have those AI agents, but I still feel like there's always going to be a space for automation, even when our little robots are running around in the background, putting out fires. And the fact that they, they see that folks like us can do this sort of tech, that's, it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah, I love the just the whole notion of tech getting more accessible. And like software, I feel like the development of software has just always been getting more and more simple, like even more accessible for developers. And the natural destination for that just seems like, well, anybody can make software. And now we're like kind of seeing a version of that with GPTs. And I know Microsoft just announced their version of that, their um, Copilot Studio, I think they call it. Yeah. Uh, Anything around those, since those are super hot right now, anything around those that excites you? (sighs) Goodness, there are so many things around that that excite me. So I think about them as like companions, like natural companions. No question to anytime someone has to learn something new and they need a tool there that can help them learn it in their language. So for example, I was using, um, I was, I was in one of the Microsoft Learn education tools and the language that they use doesn't make sense to me because that's not the language that I use. So I took that and I put it into ChatGPT because I haven't had a time to build a GPT yet and had it reinterpret it for me so that I could understand it. So I think that's going to be a huge, huge benefit to folks 
ramping up and understanding so much faster than historically they've they've had to the time period they've had to ramp up let's ride this promo pony out of here where can people find you uh on twitter well no it's not twitter anymore on x i'm seattle tax seattle underscore tax i'm ashley francis on linkedin and then uh if you want to check out my class it's uh www.kta.ai three letters pretty rad what yeah what is it kitchen table automations kitchen table automations text so easy you can do it at the kitchen table oh yeah what is the current state of that like paint paint the picture a little bit of what that class looks like um that class needs to be updated so hopefully by the time this drops it's been updated but I'm also working on a couple of other classes just because 30 days is a long time for someone to commit. And I want a class for firm owners and I want a class for staff so they can get in, start learning things that benefit both of them. And Mm -hmm. we're not having this disconnect between firm owners saying, ah, we don't need GPT and staff already using it because they're coming out of college having used it. Um, like someone was telling me the other day on a flight that he was doing consulting for a company and this company found out that they had 500 paid chat GPT accounts. Yeah, I believe it. it. Yeah. So like, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Right. And let's get the most benefit out of this technology because let's not pretend we don't need it. We do need it. Like Congress is going to come up with a whole new bag of tricks tax wise this next year. We just know they are. And in two years, TCGA, TCJA expires. So, you know, I'm glad I'm not in that game anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to that point, AI can't come soon enough, right? Oh, yeah. I'm kind of actually like impatient for it now because there's a ton of things that it can help with. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Like I said, we're going to put links to all that stuff and Ashley's socials in the show notes. Um, If you need an accessible way to get comfortable with AI, to start making friends with AI, it's absolutely a killer way to do it. Obviously, a lot of folks have found this stuff from AI content. And like this is a killer, like very practical way to start waiting in. So, Ashley, thank you again. Thanks for inviting me. It's been fun. You bet. That's all we got for today. I'll see see you all tomorrow. 